Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Yay. I'm very excited about this today. I know I don't you care are. what we talk about. We can talk about like 10 things and I'm going to be happy. We were just talking about which of the 10 things should we talk about. <laughs> but I'm equally entertained by all of them. So it's going to be amazing. Right. Unlike, I'm not going to say which podcast it was because you can't tell by listening to it. But unlike one of the recent ones where you were a little <laughs> bit cranky. I know. I was like, meh. So I went to yoga today and I have to say, like, I'm in a, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm like seven hours from home and having this prolonged stay in Salt Lake. Right. And my favorite yoga studio has, you know, branches here. I, I'm like obsessed with core power yoga. It's like my, where I grew up in yoga and unlike Lynn, nobody, oh, you already told that story on your Woo podcast, right? I did. Yeah. Nobody's staying over me or whatever, yeah. but and also, I mean, I had a massage today and nobody took off all my covers and made me feel oh, uncomfortable. So it's good. Perfect. There was no breast massaging or anything awkward. No, no. Although she is a glute massager. Um, and usually they, do that, <laughs> usually they do that through the blanket, but she has like a way to kind of get just one glute out in a way that still keeps you covered. And <laughs> also I am now far enough into massage where I'm like, yeah, totally work on that. Just get in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest muscles in your whole body. And I'm sorry, just because it's also your butt and we love to make jokes about the butt. It's a gigantic muscle that needs to be worked all the time. So she's a glute worker and that makes me happy. All right, good. Well, that's not quite as entertaining as what I was going to tell you about my yoga class, but I peeled away from the hospital to go to yoga today. And um, the class was like fantastic, right? Like, I mean, you and I are both yoga trained. We've been through a zillion hours of everything. And she was doing all this interesting cueing that I just loved. And I was like, oh my gosh. But the playlist was like, maybe the worst playlist I've ever heard. It oh, was no. like, I mean, if I was you, I could sing about how it was like turning the inside lights of your heart on. Like it was so bad. And just like, terrible and I was like man this was one of the greatest classes and the worst playlist I've ever heard and then in Shavasana she played the most beautiful version of hallelujah maybe I've ever seen sung by a woman and it was just like an angel singing and I was like isn't that ironic (laughs) like terrible with perfect ending and that was the whole story okay and also for everyone that thinks that hallelujah is this like glorious spiritual song it's actually mostly a song about sex Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Tell me all the things. (laughs) It's funny because there's a coach that I follow and she's really funny. And she was talking about so many people talk about whole, uh, hallelujah being this very spiritual song. And she pretended we sing it in church all the time. Oh my gosh. No, but they don't, they delete the, they delete the screwing, uh, the, the screwing verse, but (laughs) she was writing it like, like a cop, you know, at a scene, like, ma'am, ma'am, please back up. This song is about fucking not Jesus. <laughs> but oh um, my gosh, is that really true? Yes. There's a whole verse where he says, remember when I moved in you and the Holy ghost was moving too, and every breath we drew was hallelujah. Yes, I mean, come totally. on. Who what was else? it? Josh Gorbin? 
Who sings no, that it's song? Not. <laughs> Josh Gorbin. It's not a person. Groban? Who Josh is, I just Groban. made it up. You know <laughs> but, I shouldn't ever say anything about pop culture. Uh, let's pretend that didn't happen. You know, I was listening to, I was listening for sound on one of the recent ones. And I think you said, did you say Justin Bieber? Is that what I heard? Like, with a B? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, his name is Justin Bieber <laughs> with a B. <laughs> I'm like, is this, is this bad sound or is she saying Justin Bieber? And I listened to it. And I'm like, I yeah. I thought his name was Justin Bieber. That's fantastic. No. no it, oh my gosh. Uh, Leonard Cohen, Man. by the way, is the um the original. The original, yeah. yeah. My mom is obsessed. I don't ever remember even hearing who Leonard Cohen was until like the last two years. But she's obsessed. Like she plays his songs, she watches all the things. Like I I am like getting indoctrinated with Leonard Cohen music all the time at our house. And, and not Josh Gorbin. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Josh Groban. Uh, you, know, you know, Justin Beaver told me Justin it was Bieber. <laughs> there's there's a Saturday Night Live skit. This has nothing to do with anything except you reminded me of it. This is the podcast where you remind me of something and then I tell a story. Um, fantastic. I mean, not just this episode, but from but the always. ladies' room is the podcast where you remind me of something and I tell a hey. story. Everybody who's ever been in the ladies room with their girlfriends knows this is how it goes. Right. Totally. So there's this, um, there's this Saturday night live sketch with John Hamm and Michael Buble. Do you know who, I don't know who those, those people, people are? are? Oh my gosh. No. So John Hamm is, um, uh, Don Draper from Mad Men, super handsome guy. Right. Have you ever seen him? Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. I know That's exactly who he is now. Yep. And then Michael Buble is a singer in the, in the style of Josh Gorbin. <laughs> You know, he sings like that kind of music. Sing something of his. Um, but he mostly does, <laughs> he mostly like covers class. He mostly covers standards and stuff like that. Okay. Right. Um, he's like the Michael Bolton of other no, people's no. music. No, no. He's more like, he's more like a modern Frank Sinatra, somebody like that. All right. Anyway, it's not relevant to the story. Um, his music Thank is God. more like old people music. Anyway. Um, so in this sketch... Um, he's taught Michael Buble is talking about how John Hamm approached him for a collaboration. And he's like, we could open this restaurant and we could serve ham bubbly, which is like champagne with pieces of ham in it. And then we could serve bubbly ham, which is ham with champagne on top. And the whole, (laughs) (laughs) the whole gag is like, he doesn't want to do it. And John Hamm is kind of forcing him. Like he's singing one of his songs and he's like, he came up to me and he said, do you like money? And I laughed and his eyes turned black and he slapped my face. <laughs> and he's just like <laughs> forcing him. And he's like, it's actually pronounced buble. And then he's really angry. But anyway, that's the end of that story. But it, Eric and I quote it to each other all the time because it struck us so funny at the time. Um, I actually got lost in the beginning that we, it was a Saturday night life skit. Like I forgot that part. And so I was like, this is terrible. And then like I it was a news story a or something. Like, tonight on CNN. I do feel very vindicated though because everybody now is very clear when I say I know no pop culture that it's true I don't know why you feel vindicated by because people like... don't believe me and they like John loves pop culture and he tests me out all the time like surely you know this and I'm like mm, no surely nope. you know who Justin Bieber is no never heard of him <laughs> 
Is that like nope. Bob Otterbox? Is that and I don't even listen to his music, but I still know it's Bieber, but I tend to just absorb stuff by osmosis in a way that you don't really. No, I was actually thinking about your work with blends and oils today while I was driving. And I was thinking about how it's this beautiful. So those of you that don't know, like Lynn does all kinds of cool stuff, but one of the things that she does is she makes custom blends for people with essential oils. So like she made one for my wedding and she makes them for all kinds of um, lovely things. I won't diverge, but you should definitely look at her stuff on social media. It's amazing. But um, I was thinking about that image. I would have of you as a little girl, like skipping along the beach and just collecting all kinds of random shit. And then being like, ta-da, look at all the stuff. And this has to do with this. And like, that's what happens when you're making your blends and the work that you do when people get to be in your space. And part of the reason it's so incredibly powerful and valuable is that you've gone through your whole life really integrating all these teachings and all these different things. Like I go to something and I'm like, that one thing was a good point. I'll take it. I forgot about everything else, but you integrate everything so much and you collect all these treasures and they stay accessible to you in a way that they don't those kinds of experiences don't to normal people. And so when people enter your space, like you have this whole treasure, like a beach house full of collected treasures from a lifetime. And you just kind of pick and choose from all of them and bring them together in that space with somebody. So that's what I was thinking about you. That was really nice earlier today. Oh, that's so sweet. It makes up for how you've been a little mean about <laughs> video games and Wovolution. No, thank you. Actually, that was very sweet. And thank you for, and you continue to bring distinction to me as a person. I mean, that's your work, right? Is showing people that that are identity. And I feel like I know myself better just by hanging around with you. Cause you're like, no, here's what you look like. Like, I don't think so. You're like, no, no, you do. You have like, you have a beauty mark by your, by your cheek. Like, I don't think I do. You're like, no, 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 you do. You do. So yes. Okay. So, but um, it's a good transition into what we are going to talk about. Okay. Is that a transition? It like, it's kind of, because we're going to talk about stories, right? Like you said, I, cause I hate video games and well, I hate, I once told Lynn after years of listening to her, tell me stories about video games that I just want you to know, I really don't ever like to hear about them. I just listen to you tell me about them because you're such a good storyteller. I can usually tolerate it, but really this is like my least favorite thing we ever talk about. Yeah. I'd rather well, if you talk to me about baby diapers and stuff, but I she re- still sometimes tells me about them. Well, because sometimes there's something relevant. Like there's, for me, there's a story in everything. There's like a lesson in everything. I know, but we really crossed the line because you talked about video games on one of our recent podcasts. And I was I like, know. we said, we're never going to do it. No, well, we I said we aren't, but you I, didn't I never made. I never made that agreement. And, and the only reason you're saying that you don't play video games is because you don't count things like Candy Crush. Well, also Tetris is the only thing I'm good at. So there's no story. Like I lined up all those blocks perfectly and they went, and then I got more blocks. And I mean, that's not even a story. That's true. It's just, so I, I hate Tetris. Yeah. When I, I, I haven't played, it's not like I've played video games my whole life. I just recently got back into them. And what was super hilarious is we went to Dave and Buster's after I had been playing this one video game and two funny things happened. One, I beat Eric at Space Invaders, which he didn't like <laughs> because I've never, so my, my, I was working on my hand-eye coordination. And then another one is I was working on one of those things where you like shoot zombies 
you know, with like a real rifle, not a real rifle, but the, the controller yeah. isn't actually gun shaped. And um, Eric goes, wow, your eyes are super dead. And Riley's like, yeah, I don't like your face right now, mom. I'm like, shut up the both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been training for this. I'm eagle-eyed right now. I'm saving the world. Don't tell me I have dead eyes. It's the zombies with dead eyes. Stand back. <laughs> I got to get them. Okay. So one of the things you always tell me about that I love is, is it, now I don't even know. Is it bunny? The talking yeah, bunny. dog or Bonnie? Okay. Bunny. Bunny. Bunny, I'm afraid like... everything that starts with a B, I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> it's Beaver, the talking dog. <laughs> and no. I love like Bounces. every few like days I get an update about, and it had this, endless story going on and it's so fascinating and I never would have heard it if it wasn't part of our conversation and I was like I can't wait till we talk about this on the podcast I freaking love bunny and you can remember bunny if I tell you that she bounces she's very jumpy she's like a very high energy dog and she she jumps like a bunny not I, like a beaver. I don't like it that as much as I did before I didn't know that she doesn't walk like a beaver her name is bunny <laughs> My mom collected beavers when I was a child, like for real, like little uh, stuffed beavers. I, I I don't know why she doesn't currently, but anyway, I like I, beavers. I just need a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's focus on the bunny, the talking dog. But what kind of dog did you tell me? Is she, some kind of shepherd mix? She's a sheep, a doodle. All right. Um, and I love bunny and I love Stella. And Stella was the, the OG talking dog, but Stella's person doesn't post anywhere near. Wait, for people that aren't as cool as me, does that mean original or as cool as you? OG OG is like the first one. It stands for old guy, but yeah, it means like original or it's slang. It's pretty common slang. It doesn't matter if it's common. I'm not cool enough to know it. (laughs) So yes, Stella's the original. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. How are we going to frame all this? Because I'm, I'm going to assume that most of the people on the podcast don't know about Bunny or Stella. I don't think most people know about it. And even if they do, the way you're going to create it is totally different than any, than probably most people have even thought about it. So tell me, tell us the first original person. Cause you just read her book, right? I did. Yep. And then so, the more entertaining dog, let's get to that one and tell those well, stories. They're both entertaining. It's just Christina Hunger doesn't post about Stella anywhere near as much as the other person whose name I don't even know right now posts about okay. Bunny. I call her Bunny's mom. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so Christina Hunger. So the, the two handles of, for these on, on Instagram are Hunger for Words. She's the original one. And I first saw her, I don't know, a year or so ago. COVID makes everything hard for me to remember when it actually originally happened. Um, right. But, you can, if it was any time in the last year and a half, you can say like 10 years and it's still fairly accurate. That's what it feels like some, sometime in the last 10 years. That was the last year or two. And, um, she was doing something and she went viral and I saw her when she went viral. Um, and then bunny is what about bunny? So Christina hunger is a speech therapist. She works a lot with, um, kids who are nonverbal for whatever reason, they're nonverbal and, she has a dog named Stella and Stella is, she's some kind of hound. She's tinier. She's not a little dog. But she's a medium sized dog, some kind of hound. Um, and she, I, she just put out a book called how Stella learned to talk. And a lot of the people that she works with, a lot of the kids she works with use assistive communication devices. There's a word, there's a, 
an acronym, which I can't think of right now, AA, whatever, but um, it's basically you push a button in the, and it talks for you instead of, because you can't speak. So you have language, but you can't talk. So they Is push it, a, they're like little pads, right? Yeah. It's usually like a tablet, kind of like an iPad. Um, oh, I was uh, picturing these like fabric-y type of pads on the floor. They could that's what on. the No, that's what the dogs use. I'm talking about. The oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but like uh, um, Stephen Hawking used one, right? So he didn't use what the modern ones are because the modern ones are based around tablets. But if you see Stephen Hawking speaking, he's using, uh, I, I'm not saying it right. Something, something, something device, but basically it's a device that assists in communication because okay. a person just can't physically speak. So they, yeah. they don't have any problem with their language, but something is wrong with their ability to produce sounds that are speech. Um, so she works with these kids and she had, um, she was babysitting someone's dog and the dog had a bell. And we had this for, when we had our two dogs, we had a bell for them too. So they could tell us when they needed to go outside, um, keeps them from scratching up the door. It was just like a bell, like, um, like at a motel, you know, ding, where you ding yeah. for service. Um, <laughs> and we noticed that, and this was years before anybody did any of this. We noticed that they actually generalized their bell um, to mean come here. <laughs> because <laughs> if they needed to go outside, they would ring it. But also if their water dish was empty or if they were just bored, when we lived on a two-level house, sometimes we would hear them ringing and we would go downstairs and they'd just be standing there smiling like, I wondered where you were and I'm bored and I wanted you to come. Um, <laughs> and so in this in this I've never world. even heard of that I want you to know like I love dogs I've literally never even heard of that until you're training them to before. ring a bell to go outside yeah oh yeah, yeah it's great it's great because they don't scratch up the door then yeah I know um, I've just never heard of it yeah Good. yeah and um they uh so she was babysitting a dog that had a bell and she was like and she noticed the same thing and she's a speech therapist so she noticed it much faster than I did um and she's like, I wonder, it's basically like they only have one word. I wonder what would happen if you had a dog with more words. And then they ended up getting a puppy. She and her now husband ended up getting a puppy. And so she, um, she went online and she bought these buttons that you would use for like, a, like if you were doing a quiz show or something like your own quiz show and you can record <laughs> right. them to say the different things. And so she made her an outside button and she put it near the door and it just said outside. And she started teaching her more and more words, all context-based words. And what was really interesting is um, she wasn't sure if it would work at all. And she thought maybe the dog would be able to do it, that Stella would be able to do it just um, based on you know her needs. Like I need to go outside, outside, or I want water, mm -hmm. water. But what happened is the dog, when she put the buttons all together, cause they were all kind of scattered all over around the house. But when she start, put them all together on a single board, um, the dog started Stella say her name um Stella started doing um like novel utterances where she would combine the words in a you know different way and actually start to talk and there's a lot of people who it's kind of controversial to say that but you know what I don't care I've watched a million of these videos and those dogs are fucking talking why um, is it controversial people think that they're imagining it or that it's just random and the person is putting um meaning into it or whatever Okay. And there's actually, uh, so bunny is one of the ones I'll talk about bunny in a minute. Um, don't let me like go on and on. Cause I can talk for hours about that. I'll let you know, as soon as I get bored. No, I mean, <laughs> this is what I want to know. And then go, well, do you know where you were going? Cause I had, yes, I, knew, I know where I was going, but okay, I, I go know, ahead. 
I know that when I geek out about something, I can just like verbal diarrhea and uh, I know this is one of my favorites. It's so much better than video games. I love when you tell me about the dog. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I'm, I'm going fast forward a little bit and then I'll go back to, to the chronological of Stella, but, um, there's actually some scientists who have been really interested in this topic and they've been working on, um, these, the topic of like, can animals communicate Can animals communicate? Yeah. Can dogs communicate? I mean, we know animals can communicate like Coco, the gorilla with her sign language. We know that's a thing. Um, but could dogs and cats, cause there's cats who do this too, but, um, they were like, how are we going to do this? We'll need this really expensive software and blah, blah, blah. And they're looking at millions and millions of dollars. And Christina hunger just jumps on Amazon, spends 30 bucks on these buttons and just puts them on the ground and let's sell it, push them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now, now there are people that are building, um, things that are designed. But right she's working this. with a scientist, right? Like she, no. they're coordinating. No, she's not. not. So Christina's not because she's kind of off doing her own thing because this is her field. So Christina's um, the one who's a speech therapist, not Bunny's mom. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's really her passion. You've told me like she wants to, she wants to use this to advocate for children, for people, but for children, it's mostly who she serves, but yeah, she wants to use her platform to advocate for people who need people who need these devices. Um, and that it's, you know, the dignity and the inclusion and all the things that comes with having a common language. Um, so this bunny's mom is working with the scientists. So there's actually tons of animals and their, and their people doing this now. And the scientists have, you know, 24 seven cameras, you know, like closed caption type cameras on the, on the boards. Um, so the scientists are actually analyzing. So, um, uh, so, so that's to kind of be more rigorous about it, but Bunny's mom, I feel ridiculous calling her Bunny's mom, but I cannot think of her name right now. She barely ever says her name. It's better for me if we stay focused on the dog. <laughs> stay Bunny's mom. Um, I mean, if I can be Riley's mom, that's fine. Um, but, uh, Bunny's mom just wanted to talk to her dog. She wasn't trying to, she just wanted to have a great, she saw Christina hunger and she was inspired. She had a new puppy also. And she's like, I just want to have a super close relationship with my dog. And Bunny now has like a hundred and some words. Um, but this is bringing some more rigor to it that, that there's scientists involved now. Um, so anyway, getting back to a little bit of the chronological. So the one, the one that the first utterance that I saw Stella do that just made my jaw go on the floor is um, she had a beach button and it was broken because they're just cheap, you know, whatever. Right. And she went over to push it and it didn't work. Or, or are no, there they, pictures on the buttons? Like, so the dog can see a picture. No, the, there's writing for the people, but the dogs do it by muscle memory. Um, wow. In fact, she said, uh, so you need to keep them in the same place. You can't just move them around. Um, okay. So the dogs just know where they are. But she said when she, they were scattered all around the house. And then when she put them all on a board, um, Stella would go and push one and listen and push it again and listen push it again and listen Aww. like oh okay that's my outside button i know where that is now but it's really wow. important you keep them in the same place but um her beach button broke and they picked it up to fix it and she went to the spot where it was supposed to be and then she pushed help water outside oh and my I was, gosh i was like holy shit like that is clear i don't care who you are what kind of naysayer what kind of skeptic you are that was clear that not only was she communicating and asking for help but that she used water outside when she couldn't say beach 
That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? And that was really early on when she had, I don't know, like 10 or 15 buttons. Um, so now Bunny has almost a hundred and, wow. and her utterances. So here's what's okay. So here's where it gets really crazy. That was interesting enough, but now what we're seeing, I say, we, as if I'm involved more than just scrolling on Instagram and being like, that is so cool. But, um, and Bunny was making novel utterances too. Like one of her cutest ones, um, she has a toy that's a hippo. And so she has a hippo button and they live by the ocean and she saw a seal for the first time. And she was very excited, of course, because seals are very exciting and she's still a puppy and she's not too. Um, and she comes inside and she says, water hippo. And the mom was like, yeah, we saw a seal. Wait, today. She knows hippo. Hip- she has a hippo toy. Okay. So wow. she has a little squeaky hippo. And so they gave her the name hippo for her toy. Oh my so gosh. She, she doesn't know what a hippo, like a big hippo is, but she has a little toy named hippo. And um, when she saw a seal, the best thing she knew how to say was water hippo. And she saw a deer and called it a cat hippo. <laughs> like and that just, that blows my mind too, right? Like she's, she's only able to say what she has access to. And that's part of why these communication devices are so important because the more we give access to a developing brain, like especially a child, the more they can actually even think about. Um, and that's what's starting to happen with Bunny is people are joking about it on Instagram, but she's starting to have like an existential awakening. That Yeah, is- tell this stuff because this is when, I mean, I've always been interested, but this is the stuff that just has me thinking about it. Like that is right. And the genesis of language and all that stuff. So tell right. the story. Yeah. So um, I don't even know where to start. Like she is starting to become self-aware in a way that we didn't think dogs were, although that might be a little speciesist because <laughs> there was a scientist who said, we have a lot of evidence that dogs can identify their own smell um, so that their self-awareness isn't our self-awareness. Like, oh, that's me. I smell that. That smell is me. And we're expecting them to have self-awareness like we do. But anyway, she's starting to use pronouns and she's starting to um, like, they're helping her sort out human versus dog, that animal. The whole world's into pronouns right now. So it makes sense. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Ignore me. Bunny's pronouns, I think are still she, her. She hasn't told us any differently. Um, Well, no, she's working on her pronoun right now is I, (laughs) but she's, you know, on track for like a two or three-year-old. Um, I remember when Riley was about three, when she's, I loved, um, she might've been two. She had something that I was like, that is so beautifully developmentally. And also such a two way of being, she had a double possessive, um, which was when she really wanted something, she would say minds, M I N E apostrophe S minds. That's minds. (laughs) She just, (laughs) that's fantastic. So that is so mine. It's minds. Um, but so bunny is starting to kind of sort out like, and she even asked her, um, she said to the mom, mom dog was like, is she, is bunny asking you if you used to be a dog and then you evolved into a human or you changed into like, am I going to grow up and be a human? Um, but the thing that's really interesting right now, I've kind of lost the thread on all the existential stuff that was happening before, because this thing is happening now is she's starting to talk. We think about her dreams. Um, she was starting to say things like night talk, sleep talk. Oh, okay. I'm going to interrupt myself because when I get excited, I interrupt myself. (laughs) They gave her the word talk because Mm -hmm. 
she was going to her board and she was saying sound walk, sound tug. And the mom was trying all these different things and Bunny was getting really frustrated. So she asked the scientist, what do you think? And the scientist wow. said, we think that sound walk is talking and sound tug is a conversation because she has a tug toy, right? And tug takes two people. And so sound tug was her way of saying, hey, let's have a conversation, which that's remarkable. Is that not insane? And also from now on, I'm going to just say sound tug for conversation because it's way better. It's so than- cute, right? Like I just want to talk to you. Come in my meadow and report with me. Seriously, like, so it's crazy that not only she wants to have the conversation, but that given the words that she had, she came up with sound tug to describe what a conversation is. And that is what a conversation is, right? Like yeah. pulling back and forth. So they gave her a word, the word talk, and she doesn't say sound tug anymore because she needed, she didn't know how to say talk. She didn't have the word for talk. So they gave her the word talk and now she doesn't say sound tug anymore. But then she started saying night talk, sleep talk, and So they speculated that she might be talking about the fact that she's dreaming. So again, she asked the scientists and the scientists said, um, the next time you notice her dreaming, because you know, you can see dogs when they're woof, woof, you know, and their little feet moving, Mm -hmm. gently wake her up and ask her what was going on. So she showed a video and she was um, crying and she was obviously having a distress dream. Like the, the barking was a little more high pitched rather than just interested, like, there's obviously some distress, like a nightmare. And so she woke her up real gently. Hey, you know, bunny sleep talk, what sleep talk? She asks her and bunny kind of wakes up. And then she goes over to her board and says, stranger animal. Mm. So she was dreaming about some unknown animal. She didn't know. And it was a nightmare. It's That's just amazing. It's tell me too, how she, tell the part about how she asked for her friends. Mm. Yeah. She has buttons for all of her friends. Um, oh, and this is a little bit sad because <laughs> she just moved away. Her best friend, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is her bestie, but it seems to be her bestie is this dog <laughs> named Beecher. Um, and he used to live next door and they had um, this shared deck. So he literally was just like one fence over. She could walk over and say hi to him whenever she wanted. Mm-hmm. And they moved houses. And so she's been asking for Beecher. And the other day she even said, I hear Beecher. And her mom's like, I don't think so, but I can see why you might be wishing or hoping or, um, but yeah, she asks for her, her friends by name and she talks about having seen them. So if they play in the morning with the dog, she'll come home and say, you know, Beecher play, Beecher park. Um, oh, and uh, one time um, one of the dog neighbors was, um, gosh, I'm such a dork. One of the dog neighbors was the, the, the dog, dog dad was gone at work and he hadn't been gone for a long time because of COVID. And so, um, the dog was howling a little bit and barking and bunny was like, how did she say like, why, Oh, why mad sound? Why mad sound? Beecher, why mad sound? It's like, yeah, Beecher's Aww. in a little bit of stress. That was a big sound. And just like her whole world, right? She has a world with her animal friends and she has a world with her people friends. Um, and that the idea that language is possibly, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but developing her capacity to even think about stuff in a way that she wouldn't be able to without those words, without those compartments for language, you know, where language is so cool and remarkable. Yeah. Tell and, the um, story about when they went on vacation. Which one? When the when when Stella went on vacation and they took yeah. her board. 
Um, yeah. So they, they make sure, um, they took her board with, they took her board with them. And when they put the board back down and she saw that it was with her, she went over and said, love you. Yes. And like laid next to it. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and oh, and they were on vacation and they were, they had a view of the ocean and Stella. Yes. Just, that's the one. Oh, okay. Stella was just watching the ocean. And then she came over to her bird, her board and said, um, yes, love you water or water, good, happy, or something like that. Basically like, I just really enjoyed watching the waves through the window. She didn't ask to go outside. She didn't, you know, and sometimes they'll say, do you want to go for a walk? And she'll say Stella bed. And then she'll go to her bed. Like, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm going to just lay down. Um, oh, it's amazing. And I mean, Bunny's, it really is so cool. It is. And Bunny's mom said she's barking less um, because if there's someone outside, she'll say stranger or stranger dog. Or um, one time she said uh, dog stranger. And they're like, oh, there's a dog outside. And then like five or 10 minutes later, she goes, sound went like, it's all fine. That whoever it was is gone. <laughs> <laughs> it is really the, I mean, it's just remarkable. Tell, okay. So you told me a while back about that. They were even using this with cats yes. and how like we, all the personality, we always kind of attribute to cats that we're yes. starting to see, like, that's really how they are. Yes, totally. Like the first one I saw, the cat walked over to her buttons and said, mad. Like the first thing out of her mouth was mad. And the mom's like, what? I, you haven't even asked for anything. Why are you mad? She's like, mad, mad. And she she was up on the on the windowsill and she took her down and the cat's like, mad. <laughs> and there's cat. And we need to talk about fat baby because you should totally do this with him because he could completely learn how to do this. Um, I thought it was too late, but you told no. me a couple of days ago, it's not too late because fat baby's, you know, a year old. So, well, and I don't think it's ever too late. People are just starting to do, there's lots of people doing this with their pets and they're not all puppies. I mean, I have to admit that I'm a little like, not sure I want that baby to talk to me. Right. So <laughs> there was another, there's a, a cat named Billy. I don't follow him. He just pops up in my feed once in a while. And he went over to his a board and said, yes, pets. That's their word for petting, you know, bunnies is and the person didn't get on it fast enough. And Billy goes over and goes now. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> I mean, it's totally how cat, I mean, it, cat, not, of course, not all cats are the same, but you do kind of, they, they want what they want when they want it. And that's how it goes. Like, right. And I, I think if we had dogs still, no matter what age they were, I would try this out with them because I know for sure, for certainty that our dogs understood a bunch of English words. And there's tons of evidence, even before this button thing that dogs could understand English. They just haven't been able to converse with us in the same way. So I agree that that's, of course, part of it is like the ability to communicate back. But when you started talking about the existential crisis, that was, that's so fascinating because their experience of life in the world, literally, I mean, at least this one dog is changing based on language. And you and I have talked, I mean, at nauseum, I mean, I don't even want to imagine how many hours over the last five years, just about the power of communication and what's created in communication. It's amazing. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we should probably switch off. I feel like this whole podcast up until this point has just been me talking about what I saw on Instagram. <laughs> so Mostly, I just wanted you to tell bunny stories because <laughs> it, I was like, this is perfect. But I really did want to like, I think about that, like, 
you know, when you get to watch something you didn't, I mean, I'm watching through your stories about it, but when you, you like what's happening in language is like, there's a different experience of the world happening on both sides, right? The pet mommy and the dog appears to be having like literally a different, what's available to think about right. um, is emerging in language. And I've been thinking about that this week because you know, like we're going through something just, you know, incredibly difficult. Um, and I, I've been wrestling in myself cause I kind of want to lay on the floor and just throw a tantrum most days, like, or cry, like why, why, how's all this bad stuff happening? And I can just sense like the power is in what I have to say about it mm-hmm. and that I have access to a better experience inside of my ability to generate in language than I would have otherwise. And my daughter has access to a better, um, the one with the broken ankles, like a better experience based on all the things I've consumed in language. And I was listening to, um, I don't know, a podcast this afternoon and they were talking about, um, just accepting everything, you know, like not resisting reality, right? Like who's that? You, I, well, I don't want to try to misquote her, but um, I just lost her name, but um, that whenever you're in an argument with reality, you lose hundred percent of the time, but right. we generate a lot of energy inside that in language. And so I've been, wasn't that Katie Beaver? <laughs> Thank you. It was Katie Beaver. I should yeah. seriously, anytime I don't know somebody's <laughs> name, I should just be like, so thank you. It was Byron Katie. It was Byron but, Katie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> um, I'm going to give my cat a, a beaver button for sure. I mean, um, you have to really be careful with the word beaver. I know that's why it's so concerning. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to say anything I'm thinking right now. Um, but I think that it's it's been powerful for me to start to think about. I feel, you know, like all these awful things are happening and, you know, like my access to be generative feels limited by my circumstances, but I'm, you know, I love the idea of like what I say about what's happening, what I generate in gratitude that I can actually have a different experience of what's happening to me. And that's really the only thing I have control of, but I mean, I'm pretty generative, but then also I can just always use your brain if I need to invent something. So it really feels empowering. And I think there's something, you know, for me in that. And I, I like that. So that's part of why I wanted to talk about it. Not just because it's entertaining, but, you know, life is really challenging. And who's that, um, that, uh, the, um, Jewish, um, guy who went through the, who was in the, I'm totally forgetting his name. He went, he was in the concentration camp. He's developed a specific school of psychology. I was going to bring it up, but I was going to say beaver, whatever it was, but you're not talking about, um, gosh, now my brain is showing. See, um, I started into the beavers and now <laughs> you made it funny. And now no, you're, you're not talking, you're not talking about, um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. No, no. I mean, that oh. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, I mean, but he's not Jewish. He was a, no, I didn't oh, think, I think so. Jewish yeah. He's show. not Jewish. Um, I don't know who you're talking about. Okay, well, I'm going to look it up for our next time because he's one of the, like, just, I mean, it's one of the guys they talk about a lot and optimize because he, he was a psychologist and he developed a specific school of psychology while he was in, and he, and he talked about all this stuff in the concentration camps about ministering to people and like that the only thing you really ultimately have control of is 
um, how you respond and how you think and ultimately, right, like our language that we think with is so connected to our experience. So, yeah, I mean, that was really powerful for me. That was Dietrich Bonhoeffer too. I mean, well, yes, Bonhoeffer did definitely talk about that stuff, but that's not who I'm thinking of. Right. And I'm not even going to make a beaver joke about him because he was so amazing. Um, (laughs) But okay. And so here's another texture to this, which isn't what you're talking about, but I want to bring it into the conversation, which is this doesn't mean um, plastering on a happy face because like that's also arguing with reality, right? Like, like if you say to me all this stuff that's happening and then I respond back to you, well, everything happens for a reason, like slap that person in the face, right? That's, that's also arguing with reality. Like just there's some good in this. There's something for you to discover there if you want to go there, but we have this tendency to like, uh, to, to take what you're saying and twist it and use it against people. So like you're going through something awful that I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, and, if right, I and not nearly you, as hard as what my daughter's going through. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? But if I came to you and said, you know, Allie, your whole reality is created in language. So why don't you just, um, <laughs> you know, figure this out inside your word that would be abusive. Right. And of course, and that's not what you're talking about. Right. Like, because a lot of one of the places I've been here with you is um, normalizing a lot of what you're feeling. I feel like that's one of the main things I've been able to give you in this space is going, yeah, of course you feel that way. Of course that's coming up. Of course you're having that thought. Of course, of course, of course, this is the human experience. Like that's like acknowledging your reality um, and not, and not trying to bypass it, but also then you can bring your power to, okay, this is human. This sucks. And it's also just human life. Right. I can't even remember the specific, but like there was one day where I was like, I don't understand why I can't, I, I don't even remember. Like, I was just like, it doesn't seem like this thing. And you're like, I don't even know how you're even doing, considering doing that thing right now. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like there, so there's no Victor Frankel. I just looked the, a man hmm. search for meaning Victor Frankel. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. All of his writing is amazing. I highly recommend um, uh, his insights and people who go through it, pay, they pay for them, right? Like, I feel like I'm, some of the wisdom I have in my life, I've paid for it. And I, I mean, I listened to his story and I'm just like, oh, you've paid for these lessons so dearly. And they're such treasures. Right. Do I know who, who is? No, I said, I do know who that is. When you said Victor oh. Frankel, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I know who that is. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't put I two and two together when we were looking. I had for to look name. it up. Cause I was like, it's going to make me crazy. Yeah. I looked up someone earlier. Oh, I looked up Leonard Cohen on my phone. I wasn't, I didn't amazingly pull that out of my, I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't Josh. What did you say? Josh Beaver. Corbin. <laughs> Josh, Josh Beaver. Beaver Gorbin is the singer <laughs> of that song. You have to so promise by the way, not to tell you, well, are you going to tell your mom that that song is actually about sex? I mean, she did collect beavers, so maybe she could I'm going to ask my mom if the beavers were about sex. (laughs) And then I'm also going to ask her if she knows that song is about sex. Yes. That song is about sex. Um, I like it so much more next time I'm going to sing it. When we sing it in church, I'm going to be so much happier. Yeah. And I don't think it's only about sex. Like it's about being human and there's a lot in there about sex. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I'm entertained by it. 
I mean, one of my favorite parts about it is that when he sings the fourth, the fifth, the minor chord and the major lift that he goes through those things, like as a Mm -hmm. musician person, that makes my little ear happy. Oh, I didn't. I just thought those were nice. Like la la la. No, he's, he's talking about musical transitions and he makes them. um, While he's doing it. Yeah. He makes them in the song. It's very fun. That's lovely. Um, Okay. So, um, I don't even know. I was going to be, I was like, so back to bunny, but I think we have kind of left the, but it is fascinating and it's so cool. Yeah. But let's talk more about creating in language because this is something that you and I have played with and, and I do want to really set the context that we're not talking about if you're suffering or something crappy is happening to you that you can make that stop. No, Um, it's not about rose colored glasses or, I mean, that's part of why I'm grappling with it, right? Like crisis with my baby girl, crisis with my oldest baby. Like it's, I mean, I'm really strong. Like that's just one of the like things I think God's given me and it has nearly broken me. Like I've never been in a situation where I was like, I'm trying not to literally just shut down and I've never been that way in my life. And I've gone through a lot, but, um, this has pushed my reserves to the max. And so I'm not, I'm not pretending this is easy or like being trite about it, but I'm also aware like the only thing that I can really do is look for a place to generate something new within myself that I didn't have before. And it feels possible. And that's why, you know, the story about the dog or just thinking about our work and you know, I don't know if we're going to talk about, I guess we are, cause I'm going to say it now, the landmark, like you and I have both done landmark work. Yeah. Totally. Um, and the very first, um, landmark was like one of the most, it's not a religious organization at all, but, um, I had such a profound experience of my faith because, um, I was sitting there like, yes, this is literally like in the beginning was the word and the word was God, like my favorite verse from the beginning of John. And just that realization of like so much of my experience I created in language too. Right. And good and bad. It's such so powerful. Good and bad, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause we've talked about, I mean, when I went through it after you and then consumed it totally. And the communication parts of the curriculum are my absolute favorite. Um, and of course, I have to say I, to, for everybody, I wanted you to do it so that. Um, so I could talk to you about it. And also you would remember everything I didn't remember about it. <laughs> and I remember you told someone that and they were totally appalled. Like you're supposed to want it for the other person. Like I want her to do this so she can have a beautiful experience of the butterfly that she is. And you're like, no, I, I, I talk, I need her to have this, these terms for me. And, and this stuff so that I can talk to her about it. And the person was I'm like sourcing things I need over there. Aghast. She has to do it. <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, you're not here for you. Like, yeah, I'm here because my best friend needs me to absorb all this stuff for her. I mean, of course I wanted you to have the experience, but also a lot of it was like the way you're going to go collect all the treasures. And you do point to them way more often than I ever would have if I was just me. Yeah. And we talked, so you were the, you were the one who first, not, I don't want to say confronted, but like challenged me um, to clean up what I was generating in language, because we haven't always been the brilliant rays of sunshine that we are right now the sparkling. I just, that just makes me want to swear and be like, (laughs) no, we weren't. (laughs) It's it's not about the swearing. Um, Swearing can be very generative, but uh, how much we used to just complain when we first were friends. Like we would spend hours just complaining. Only you were the complainer. No, you give me a break. (laughs) Don't you tell a fib. 
<laughs> we were both complainers, but you were pessimistic in a way that you've totally transformed. Right. That is like life altering. And yeah. like people wouldn't even believe it um, if they hadn't known you before, like you or and also known you really well because right. you used to be very pessimistic and you absolutely are. I mean, it's amazing. It's good to remember. Well, I even said on the Woo podcast, depending on when you met me, it's very (laughs) difficult to integrate. Like there's people who knew me 20 years ago that if they met me now, they'd be like, I think that somebody has come and possessed your body and you are not really the person that I know. Right. Um, But to start to really get and to really understand that we do create not our reality, but our experience of reality. That's the thing, right? Like you can't use any language to create that your daughter's ankles aren't shattered. That's, that's some spiritual bypassing abusive crap. When people say that kind of thing. Um, I just have to say, this has nothing to do with the podcast, but a workman just pulled into my yard and I'm looking outside the window and he is like pulling his pants down. And (laughs) I was hoping this was going to be like those old Pepsi commercials where like, you know, taking his shirt off and like, he looks really hot. And then no. there's going to be a joke about a beaver in there somewhere. No, I think he was tucking his shirt in, but he had, thankfully, I, <laughs> went wrong. Was, I don't think he knows he can be seen from the window. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. Sorry for creating that in language, <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are some people who float around through the world telling people like their whole reality is under their control. And there's some truth to that, but not in the way of like, oh, your daughter's in the hospital suffering. Somehow you guys created that. Somehow you brought that on. Somehow right, like, like it's a punishment from the yeah, gods or, or whatever. Or or that you manifested it or you know, whatever. You attracted the suffering. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. And that's not what we're saying, but like there really is an opportunity because it is the human experience, right? We're not promised no suffering. Right. Like that's there's no guarantee of anything in life except that you're going to have a human experience and so what there is to do in language is you know define the parameters of how you experience your human experience yeah and I think we're also pointing to like all the dumb stuff people say that's really destructive and that also emerges in language like it's all going to be okay or someday you're going to be really thankful for this experience Uh or whatever right like do I want my oldest daughter Peggy to like find something within herself that's so precious that at the end of this it will have been worth going through no matter what happens to her feet yes because that's the only hope of something good coming out of it but am I sitting beside her in the hospital going someday you're going to be so thankful this happened to you like no that's insane right like when you think of Johnny Erickson Tata for anybody who doesn't know um, she broke her neck when she was 16 or 17 she's uh, quadriplegic paralyzed from the neck down. And, um, she's now in her sixties or seventies. I can't remember. And she has said many times, if God asked me to do it all over again, I'd ask him to break my neck again because of how she grew through it. But that's for her to say, not for someone to tell her when she's laying in the hospital, like someday you're going to say, I'm so glad God broke my neck because that's only for her to say. Right. And that's where the spiritual bypassing can be really gross. Like she did create something beautiful and that was her decision. Not, you know, um, and I remember once like I sat, um, I don't know, somewhere in like a women's group or something. And the 
I don't even think it was a women's group, but the person was, this woman was talking about losing like five or six children um, through just one horrible, like nothing connected to the other, you know, stillborn and in car accident. And like somebody went through in the car and like through their front of their house and killed two of their kids. Like just, I mean, the woman lost six children. Right. And she talked about like God being the God of deeper still. And that like, whatever our suffering, like that we carry that for some, we can, we have the opportunity to carry that for somebody else. And I always think about that because who would you call? I mean, like when Peggy, when Josie ran away, like, and then they connected me with the mom, um, who also had a missing or exploited children, child experience that they had trained in their volunteer group. Like that woman had something precious to say to me that nobody else could say because she had been through deeper still, right? Like she knew in some way. So I do think, you know, like you, like people can speak into situations, but a lot of times, like you don't have any idea what you're talking about until you've been there also. Right. It's the circles again, right? If If you haven't been there, then just shut up or like normalize, right? I mean, I haven't been through what you've been through, but I'm sitting here watching. And then when you say, why can't I pull it together? I'm like, I can't believe that you're vertical. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, okay, okay, good. There's not that much. I'm not missing it. You know, like, right. Yeah. And it's good. Right. And you weren't like, up. I'm so glad you're thinking about generating something positive in language, but it's so, I mean, it's comforting to me to access those ideas and that not in a delusional way, but in truth, like there's still beauty and there's still goodness. And I want to hold on to those things and generate those for myself in some way that I haven't been able to, or, and also haven't had to before. And so that is like an important, that's like, it's important. Like it's just good. And what we do for each other in communication, you know, helps give birth to that. But um, thank God for those experiences before this, or I, I certainly wouldn't be vertical yeah. right now. Yeah. I was just going to say, imagine going through all of this without all the distinctions about communication and how we create our experience and the difference between what's happening and what I'm thinking about what's happening and the story I'm telling myself and what I'm making this mean. I mean, creating our reality really means we get to choose what something means. So right. you can choose that this means God hates you, or you could choose that this means you're having a human experience. I mean, there's millions of ways you could interpret this, right? Yeah. That, and uh, um, Byron Katie, I think one of the questions, she has all these great questions. And I think one of them is, how is this perfect? Mm. And that's a question, again, to ask yourself, not to ask, like, I'm not going to call you up and be like, hey, I heard that you're having a really hard time getting the resources you need to have Peggy at your house. How is this perfect? Right. right. And there are times when like, I mean, right now, if you, if I even had to ask myself, that, I'd be like, please go jump off a bridge, but right. <laughs> go away. But cause I don't even like, I, right now I'm not really generating that kind of space, but it's still good. Like there's so much positive, right? Like what is still also good. And you know, like I'm not resisting that her ankles are shattered and that there's all this horrible stuff happening, but I can say that's happening. And I got to spend two straight weeks with my daughter. And there's also some really funny stuff that she says when she's on Oxy and like, (laughs) you know, all the painkillers and like, I got a video of her snoring yesterday that she'll be horrified of when she finds out that I did that and like all that stuff, right? Like there's still goodness in it that, um, you know, that's, that's still worth something. And so I think that 
that all gets generated in language too, which is, I mean, just like the dogs are having different experiences and encountering new things. Like we get to do that when we generate things in conversation and in community. And yeah. it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe someday we'll be talking about the mammal experience and who knows, yeah. who knows what they talk to each other about. I watched, well, it's funny. Eric puts on national geographic and then falls asleep. And then I sometimes <laughs> watch it and I sometimes turn it off. But last night it was, um, these humpback whales and they were doing this, um, this special way of fishing for krill where they swim in these P shapes, like the letter P, like a spiral, mm-hmm. they spiral down and it basically creates this like vortex that kind of gets the krill. They swim away from it. One does by itself. Or no, they do. That's no, do. that's the crazy thing. They do it in groups. Um, and there, cause there has to be three to get it to work. And because it's a spiral, the krill all swim in the middle and then they can just like scoop them up really easily. It's basically Let's a way of making krill fishing. It's they amazing. Do. Somehow yeah. they do. And there were two really fascinating things about it. One was a mother was there with her baby and she was teaching him how to do it. And they showed, and they said, just like a toddler learning to walk, his first attempts are adorable and poor. <laughs> like he was just making these really crappy bubble circles, but he was just so cute. He was doing his best. And they hung out there for a few months. Um, and then by the end, he did one with the other, t- this, and she somehow recruited some other whale that was there. Like, Hey, let's do this. That was fascinating thing. Number one is that she somehow taught her son how to do it. And number two is that the scientists said they've studied these whales and they're not family the whales that they all come to this one place and they all have this specific fishing skill and they're not related. And somehow they know how to tell each other like, okay, let's go ready, ready, let's swim. And (laughs) he said, there's something kind of social about it too, because they don't really need to do it. It's effective, but it's like, he said, right. It's joyful. There's something joyful about it. Like, Oh my gosh, Suzanne, I haven't seen you since the last krill fishing season. I'm so let's, <laughs> let's go make a pee. And they, that's what it's like. Um, and so there's so a place too where maybe we're arrogant when we assume that they're not already having an experience like other, you know, and there's so many questions. We didn't even talk about this in the bunny thing, but it raises tons of questions about the autonomy of animals and how we treat them. Um, and you know, yeah. I mean, I, my and, gosh, John, like when we were in Italy, John ate octopus, like almost every day, like sometimes for breakfast, like he loves octopus and, you know, living right on the coast in Italy, like, and I mean, fantastic. Right. But then he watched the octopus, my octopus teacher, and I haven't watched it. So I won't speak to that, but now he's forsaken eating octopus. And he's right. told me a zillion stories about it. And like, it really, when we experience things newly, or we see something different, like, it really changes things. Right. And like when we first moved here, um, I love the wildlife that's here in Tucson and our mama hummingbird is making a second nest. I think it's actually a different one. So I'm in happy time because I love when our hummingbirds are here, but one of the cutest babies in Tucson is quail babies. They are so freaking cute. And we have little quail families everywhere. And the first time we went out for, cause Eric and I love to eat at fancy dinners and we went out to this fancy dinner place and they had quail on the menu and it was really upsetting me <laughs> because I love them <laughs> so much. And, and Eric's like, those are just asshole quails. They're mean to the ones in our yard. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. I can fine. eat that one. I can eat it now, but um, oh it, it really does raise a lot of questions. And also there's a place too, where like a lion would eat me 
and so would a cat or a dog. So there's a place where we still belong in the animal kingdom, but even the animals we eat, how do we treat them and how do we give them? Of course, you know, and it makes me aware of like how I want me, I mean, someday we should have a conversation in the podcast about how we judge history based on what we know today and what people will think in even 50 years about right. how, what, what things we are doing now based on what we're learning and how we're evolving, right. which is cool. Okay. I have two things before we put a bow on this one. You have to tell the national geograph or the story about how you're watching um, the dogs watch videos of from the lion king oh my god and also if we don't talk about fat baby before we end the podcast like i'll be very sad yes we have to talk about fat baby okay do you want to talk about fat baby first or do you want me to tell about the dogs let's talk about fat baby first because the dog story is very funny and we can end with that so cute and i just learned it this week too and it really is part of this whole conversation Um, okay we'll just tell that story no no tell let's talk about fat baby okay well they're both good okay so a cat person, not a cat person. I'm not at all. And I'm in love with my, like we got a cat, we got two cats in COVID because um, my mom couldn't bring her cat back from Chile. And so she was very sad. And so we got her a cat and then we, um, we got a cat as like a comfort animal for, for Josie, my younger daughter and like kind of a therapy pet kind of idea. And John was like, what are we going to do? We go back to Italy. And I was like, I don't know, like we're in Montana. Like eventually they run around outside and like an owl eats them. And like, can you just get new kittens? It's great. There's always kittens. And he was like horrified. Like I was horrified. I mean, too. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I just, I mean, but we've had cats, you get them from somebody's barn and then, and then like, they don't live as long as they normally do when they're not outside cats. Like, I mean, it's nature, right? Yeah. You just let so, them outside and you don't have to worry about it. And you know what? That's a big problem. I, in Tucson I wasn't saying we were just going to like intentionally let the cat outside to get eaten. I just said, by the time we go back to Italy, we might not even have to figure that out. That's what I was saying. Oh. I wasn't saying let's try to get somebody to eat the cat. No, I heard it. Like when we go to Italy, we'll just open the door. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. No, I just meant like, they don't, you know, we might not even have a problem on our hands. I did not yeah. mean that by any means, that's, but that's I'm, a I'm not a cat person. And even, even though I don't live anywhere near as rural as you do, um, that's a big problem here too. When people have indoor outdoor cats, um, bobcats and hawks and owls and yeah, everything, same like thing. when, uh, Eric's mom is here, she has two little Yorkies. We're like, don't let them in the yard alone. There's two Harris hawks that live in this neighborhood and there's more now because they've been nesting. So right. they will take it's gonna look like a snack. They will take Yorkie as a little snacky and not even think twice about it. And our neighbor came looking. We had a bobcat hanging around our yard. And the very next day, the neighbor knocked on the door. Our cat's gone missing. I'm like, oh man, I'm oh, sorry no. to tell you there's a bobcat in the yard. So yeah, whoops. Yep. Um okay, okay. so that's not how I meant kittens. it. I'm glad we clarified. Yes. And we thought they were two girls, right? But one turned out to be a boy. Wait, wait. no, baby. don't. You, you, you told it so unfunny. I never tell him funny. I'm just telling what happened. Go ahead. You okay. tell the story. So you had two kittens and one you guys named Tula and the other one was black and your mom couldn't think of a name and said, we'll just call this one black Tula, which I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> no, and, no. Josie called that one Jade at first, but nobody likes that. Right. And so you guys decided, okay, black Tula is fine. We have Tula. And no, black- we took Tula from the white cat who turned out to be fat baby and gave that name to the other cat. But didn't we at actually one point- changed Jade? Yeah. 
we like the name Tula, so we had Tula and Jade. So we actually traded names. Oh, also. you transplanted. Okay, I thought yeah. you had Tula and Black Tula. So Tula was walking <laughs> around the awesome. house. Tula was walking around the house, and your mom said, "What's wrong with its vagina?" And what was wrong <laughs> with its vagina is that it was testicles, <laughs> and hence it was Tula became Mac. And my mom's only request with her cat was, "I don't want a black cat." And I don't want a boy. And she got a black cat and it's the best cat she's ever had because it just sits with her for like 15 hours a day, like a baby and lets her pet it. And I mean, that's all she really ever wanted from anything in life. Right. And that one's still a girl, but Mac was signed female at birth <laughs> and turns out it's actually a boy. Actually a boy. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then my mom kind of resented that he had balls until we got him removed for his well, own good. It's probably better because they mark. Right so (laughs) excuse me um so somewhere along the way I fell in love with with Mac and I I don't even know why we started calling him fat baby I don't know why either but I would sit around and I did I'm like in love I'm I am like in an un maybe it's not even that healthy to be this in love with your cat like I missed him every day and I tell like everybody sends me pictures of him and I was really worried when I was here that like, he was going to not love me best anymore. Like he comes to do yoga with us every time we're like, it's yoga time, fat baby. And he runs down in the yoga room and sometimes he climbs on us like a baby goat, but he, he loves yoga. He could totally learn to talk with the buttons because he knows, he knows the word yoga, obviously. Right. And he, he enjoy, he'll probably start asking you for yoga, yoga. <laughs> Then I'll be like, I'm going to mute your button, fat baby. And he loves to cuddle so much that um, I bought you kind of as a joke and kind of not a baby carrier. And I wished I would have had time to embroider it fat baby time, but I just sent it. (laughs) And what's his opinion? Because I would be on Zoom and he would clamp his paws over my shoulder and be like, "It's, it's time for you to carry me around and hold me. And so she sent me a baby carrier, but he really gets in it. And we, and I walk around with him and he loves it. He does. It's ridiculous. And it's fat baby time when it's fat baby time. So I'm obsessed with my cat. The other thing is you, you have to go on Instagram and look at pictures of him because he does, fat, there's something wrong with his mouth because he at does fat it, baby not time. Instagram. At fat, yeah, fat, baby, at fat time. baby time. Yeah. And um, his cat, he can't quite, cl- he doesn't ever close his mouth quite all the way. And his like tongue, he like sticks his tongue out when he's really happy and he looks ridiculous, but it's the cutest thing ever. So Anyway, I went home for one day in the middle of all this the last two weeks. So I've been in Salt Lake and, um, and you'd been angry for days. Like, what if he doesn't love me anymore? I'm like, it's going to be fine. He might punish you for a little while. What if while. he likes my, yeah. Like, how long if, is he going to punish me? Cause he does. When I go away for like a day or two, he like ignores me and like rubs his face on everybody else for like two days. And then he gives in. Yeah. That's what cats back. do. That's what cats do because they don't have middle fingers. But now I have these like cat treats that are like a squeeze pop of tuna and like goo. And I only, I give him one of those when I first come back and then he gets over it really fast. But I, you told me, I think he moved through the, dis, the anger to pure distress. And now he's just so glad you're back, which I think is actually true because the, the night I was sleeping at home, like he came in my room like 20 times, jumped on the bed, checked me out, snuggled me, left, came back. Like he was like, are you really here? Is it happening? Are you really I here? Like it was dead. so great. I thought, you yeah, were dead. that's awesome. And I usually turn on my side to keep him off of sleeping on my head. 
Um, he doesn't like that if I turn over, but John took a picture of him, me on my side and him sleeping on my head while I was home. So I was like, yep, that's my fat baby. So anyway, I'm ridiculously in love with my cat. And he's ridiculously in love with you. Yes. It's the Which best is a good thing segue ever. into the last. And I story. might've never had children if I had had <laughs> fat baby first. Right. <laughs> of all the loving oxytocin. So I will yeah. tell one more story, but I, I'm thinking that we're about to wrap the longest podcast we've ever done. So okay, hopefully, but hopefully it was good. Are still entertained, but it totally fits in with animals are so much more than we realize. So I saw this thing on Instagram and I wanted to show it to Eric. So I was Googling to see if I could find it on YouTube and I found a second instance of it. So the <laughs> thing I saw, I looked for and I found another one and I'm like, oh, okay. So apparently this is a thing, which is dogs reacting to the scene in the Lion King where Mufasa dies and Simba tries to wake him up. And it is the most precious thing. I saw at least two. No, I saw three. I saw three. And one of them, the dog ran and tried to do something, tried to help, like ran over to the screen and tried to help. But this, the two dogs that I saw, it was, it was the scene. It wasn't the scene where he falls, but it's the scene where he's laying there dead. Spoiler alert, where Mufasa's laying there dead and Simba's (laughs) trying to um, get him awake. Oh, by the way. Okay. I need to scroll for a second. I saw the funniest thing the other day on social media. It was a cake. Um, a Lion King cake with the cliff where Mufasa's dead at the bottom and Simba's looking. And it was this little girl, this three-year-old girl. And she had asked for the Lion King cake, but the saddest part so that nobody else will want to eat my cake. Everyone will be too sad to eat the cake and I can have it all. That's the worst thing I've ever heard no, of. It's fabulous. She's going to grow up and rule the world. She's the greatest very kid bad ever. Way. But anyway, <laughs> so these dogs are watching and they are riveted like they are glued to the screen, just still as as statues and they cry and whimper and they're visibly distressed. Like, and like Simba's trying to wake them up and they're so distressed and they go over to their humans and they're like looking for comfort and they're crying and crying and like moving back and forth. So obviously in distress. And I'm like, that is just really, that really makes you think, I mean, it's cute and it's funny and it's a little sad, but also like, wow, that they, we know they have a ton of empathy, but that they can watch a show and understand what's happening and respond to, I mean, that's a really sad scene. Lots of kids have been traumatized by that scene. And so yeah. now apparently have I'm sure dogs. John cries every time it plays. Right. So it's, uh, it's, they really are. I mean, okay. One more story. This one's about my real life dogs. So we had two dogs and they were from the same litter, brother and sister, and they lived their whole life together. Um, and they were wonderful. And they were, we're ending on kind of a sad story, but this it's, it fits into this, like animals are so much more than we really give them credit for. Um, and in their whole lifetime, they had only been apart like uh, two or three days. Like one of them went to the hospital for a surgery or whatever. So, um, we got to the very sad day where our little girl was going to, we were going to have to put her down. She was dying. She was dying of cancer. And someone advised me, take the dog, take the brother with you. Gala and Mark Anthony. So we took them both. Um, cause they said, if you don't, he'll look for her forever. So we took them both to the vet and we put her down and he was off to the side. And when she died, he came right over and he smelled her all over. Like he knew the moment she Aww. died, he didn't come near her when we were all around her and t- doing the IVs and comforting her, all the things he came over and he smelled her all over. Um, and he's like, okay, I understand what happened. And so then the next day we were home and he was laying out in the hallway and just laying there. And then I, and then he cried. He just, 
cry like that. And I said, yeah, I know, buddy. It's sad. And then he never made another sound for the rest of his life. And he died four months later. And I, I have to think that he was just grief stricken. He never barked. He never cried. He never whimpered. Nothing. Not one more sound for the rest of his whole life. I forgot about that. It's just crazy. And he was deaf at that point too. Um, mostly deaf. I think you could hear a little bit, but it was just like, and I think I'm so glad I took him because imagine how distressed he would have been every single day. If she just disappeared, like he was sad enough that she died and he knew she died, but Oh man. Okay. We're ending on a sad story. Wait, I just want to say one quick thing though, because you said what's possible for animals. And I think also I'm left with what's possible for humanity. Like the Mm -hmm. animals might like for ourselves also so much more is possible than we even than we even know right now right yeah and that is fantastic it really is okay that's on a more a more happy note we won't talk about dead pets all right well we'll see you next time in the ladies room (laughs) bye thanks for joining us be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room you can also find lynn at a spacious life on facebook instagram and in clubhouse And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram.